Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. But there always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the topic of my last episode. And if you were unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. And if you'd like to receive notifications when our podcasts have been uploaded, please like and subscribe. So today I wanted to discuss a topic that is often confusing for business owners, 1099 filings. I'm going to cover who is subject, the forms you must file, and due dates. So tune in to learn more about this topic. So the first thing that I want to discuss is talking about the W-9 form, which is a request for taxpayer identification number and certification. There's often confusion between the W-9 and the W-4. The W-4 is for an employee who's been hired, so you can get how they're claiming for tax purposes. The W-9, you're requesting information so that you can have their legal name, tax ID number, address, everything for the 1099 processing. So W-9 is used by persons required to file information returns with the IRS to get the payees or other person's correct name and TIN, which stands for tax ID number. For individuals, the TIN is generally the social security number, also called an SSN. If a payee refuses to submit a W-9 form when you ask, you must begin backup withholding of 28% from amounts that are due to them. Now, I often recommend to my clients that you ask for this W-9 form before you ever make your first payment to your vendor. That way, if they refuse to provide it to you, you don't even have to make the payments. Once you've made payments to them and then you're trying to get the form later in the year, it's often difficult because then they know they're going to have their, their income reported and have to pay tax on it. So do yourself a favor, ask the vendor from the very beginning of the relationship for the W-9 form. And if they say, oh, I'm not subject, say, that's okay. I do need to have it on file. 
and please, you know, complete the form. And if they truly aren't subject, at least you have it in case you ever have to prove why you did not report payments made to them. Now, once you have this W-9 form returned, you wanna make sure that you enter all of the information into your accounting system and mark if the vendor is subject to reporting based on their entity type. And if they aren't, you could just put a note in there that says they're an S corporation or a C corporation or whatever that entity is that they do not have to be reported. So if you ever go back and look to see why did you not mark them as subject, you'll have a note explaining why. So who should receive a 1099 MISC or a 1099 NEC? I do have other forms that I sometimes have to do for clients, but most of the time you only need to have an MIC or NEC. So that's what I will be focusing on for this podcast. So you're going to report expenses in the course of doing business only. So for instance, if you have a gardener who comes to your home and it's personal only, that is not something that you have to report. However, if you have a home office, you want your yard to look nice because people are coming to your home and you're paying that out of your business, then you would issue a 1099 because it's in the course of business. You're going to report if they have earned at least $600 in rents, services, including parts and materials, prizes and awards, other income payments, medical and healthcare payments. If you've paid $600 or more gross proceeds to an attorney, And there are a few more categories, again, that don't apply in most cases, so I'm going to skip those for now. But if you think that something applies for your case, be sure to check out the IRS instructions for the 1099 MISC. And anyone who has federal backup withholding, regardless of the amount of payment. Exceptions to the role of who has to have the 1099s. Generally, payments made to a corporation allow you to skip having to report the amounts that were paid, but refer later on to the reportable payments to corporations that I'll go over. Payments for merchandise, telegrams, telephone, freight, storage, or similar items. Payments of rent to real estate agents. But the real estate agent must use Form 1099 MISC to report the rent paid over to the property owner. Wages paid to employees. These, of course, will be reported on the Form W-2 wage and tax statement. Military differential wages that are paid to employees while they're on active duty in the armed forces or other uniformed services. These, again, will also be reported on Form W-2. Business travel allowances paid to employees. They may be reportable on Form W-2 if there was not an accountable plan, but again, that is not on Form 1099. Payments to a tax-exempt organization, including tax-exempt trusts, such as IRAs, HSAs, Archer MSAs, and Coverdell ESAs, the United States, or a state, the District of Columbia, a U.S. possession, or a foreign government. Payments made with a credit card or a payment card or certain other types of payments, including third-party network transactions. They must be reported on Form 1099-K by the payment settlement entity under the Section 6050-W and are not subject to reporting on Form 1099-MISC. 
or 1099 form NEC. This is why I suggest to my clients, if they don't want to have to worry about 1099 reporting, pay your vendors by credit card if they accept that, because then it is to the payment processor, they're required to file the 1099 instead of you. Now, again, there are additional exemptions, but since most small businesses don't have those types of payments, then I have excluded them from this conversation. Now, who do you report to even when they're a corporation? You will have to report any medical and healthcare payments that have been made, fish purchases for cash, attorney's fees, or gross proceeds paid to an attorney. Now, there's often confusion between these two, the attorney's fees and the gross proceeds. So attorney's fees are going to be those fees that you pay to your attorney for services that they are providing to you, again, in the course of your business. They might be helping you create contracts. You may have given them a retainer, any of those types of services that they're providing. However, if you have filed a case and you are suing someone or you're suing on behalf of you know, someone, those gross proceeds that are then sent to an attorney would be what is reported on the 1099 MISC. And then payments for legal services, again, in general, would be on the NEC. Now, let's go into a little bit more detail on the MISC versus the NEC. MISC stands for miscellaneous. NEC is for non-employee compensation. So the 1099 MISC is used to have most of the payment types reported on it. The 1099 NEC was introduced in 2020, which then changed the formatting and what is reported on each form. So the NEC, again, reports non-employee compensation paid to independent contractors or businesses that are subject to reporting. The MISC is used to report other types of payments such as rent, fishing revenues, medical and healthcare payments, prizes, and awards. How do you complete the forms? So electronic filings can be done through online software, or you can also purchase paper forms from a supplier, or you can order from the IRS to have them mailed to you. You as the payer will put your company information, including your business name, address, telephone number, and tax ID. Now remember, an EIN is in the format of two digits, dash seven digits. The social security number is three digits, dash two digits, dash four digits. And the recipient, if not an entity, you put the owner's name, not the business name, even if they have a DBA. You can list the business name below the owner's name, but you must include the individual's name to properly report. The reason is, as an individual, they are filing their individual tax return and they'll have a Schedule C. And so the IRS is going to match their legal name to the tax ID number that is being reported. And the IRS will not necessarily recognize that a business name has that tax ID number and you could end up with a mismatch form from the IRS and then you'd have to look into it further. So just make sure you list the owner's name first if they have a doing business as, go ahead and put that under their name. The legal name is what appears first. List the address and the tax ID in the correct format. And for 1099 MISC, rent is reported in box one. Royalties would be in box two. 
Other income, again, this is separate from the non-employee compensation, such as proceeds from winning a case, could be in box three. If any federal income tax was withheld due to backup reporting, then place that amount in box four. Box five is for fishing proceeds. Box six, medical and healthcare payments. Box 10 is gross proceeds paid to an attorney. So again, if the attorney is paying their client those funds, that would be in box three. But if one lawyer who collects you know, the claim ends up paying like another attorney for them to forward to their client, then that is gross proceeds paid to an attorney. And that would be reported in box 10. Now, the rest of the boxes don't apply to most businesses, but if you're unsure, once again, look at the requirements and the IRS instructions to help you know if you need to complete that information. Now, the 1099 NEC, you're going to fill in the payer and recipient information, like I explained for the 1099 MISC. Non-employee compensation is reported in box one. If any federal income tax was withheld due to the backup withholding requirement, place that number in box four. And again, other boxes will be left blank in most cases. Now, when you submit a 1099, you also have to submit a 1096 form if you're submitting on paper. A 1096 form is required for each type of form that you are submitting on paper as well. So if you have a 1096 MISC, and a 1096 NEC, those will be separate and you'll include the forms for that particular 1099 along with it. So for instance, if you have a 1099 MISC, you will have a 1096 that you will report on there, the total number of forms that are being submitted, total federal tax withheld, if any, and the total amount reported. You're gonna list your business name, address, contact name, phone number, email, and fax number. Remember to include your employer identification number as well. Mark the box for the type of form that is being submitted on this 1096, and be sure to sign and date the 1096. It is a legal document which requires a signature. Look on the back or the IRS website for the address to use for your mailing as it depends on which state that you're located in as to where they must be sent. So what are the deadlines? Form 1099 NEC is due to both the recipient and the IRS by January 31st, unless this falls on a weekend or a non-business day. It would then be due the next business day. Form 1099 MISC should be provided to the recipient by January 31st. But if you're submitting to the IRS on paper, you have until February 28th. And if filing electronically, the submissions are due March 31st. If any of these dates fall on a weekend or a holiday, then the deadline is the next business day. So what if you make a mistake after you have filed the original return? You need to file a correction. First of all, correct it as soon as possible and file copy A and form 1096 with the IRS. You'll furnish corrected statements to the recipients and you'll complete all information required based on the type of error. So error one, these errors only require one return to make the correction. And reasons for this might be an incorrect payment, a code or a checkbox, an incorrect address, 
incorrect payee name, but the return was filed when one should not have been. For error one corrections, prepare a new information return and enter an X in the corrected checkbox at the top of the form and update any information needing an adjustment. Remember to include all information required on forms such as name, address, tax ID, and the payment amount that was originally listed incorrectly. Process a new transmittal form, 1096, including all information on the form as it applies to the corrections and file the 1096 with copy A of the corrected return. Do not include a copy of the original incorrectly filed return. Error two, two separate returns are required to make the correction properly. For instance, there was no payee tax identification number, a TIN, which could be the social security number, tax ID, or an ITIN, which is an individual taxpayer identification number, an incorrect payee TIN, incorrect name and address. The original return was filed using the wrong form. For error two corrections, there are multiple steps. First, prepare a new information return, enter an X in the corrected checkbox at the top of the form, list the payer, recipient, and account information exactly as on the original form filed, but enter zero for all money amounts. Then fill out a second form, do not enter an X in the corrected box, and enter all of the correct information on the form, including the TIN and name. Process a new transmittal form, 1096, including all information on the form required. Enter one of the applicable phrases, filed to correct the TIN, filed to correct the name, or filed to correct the return, and submit a 1096 with copy A of the corrected return. Again, do not include a copy of the original incorrectly filed return. When filing corrected returns, remember not to separate copies A. Submit the entire page as one sheet, even if you're only using one form. Do not staple or tape 1099 forms to the 1096 form and mail to the correct processing center. Again, to find the correct address, look on the back of the 1096 form for the state in which you're located. So what happens if you were supposed to have filed a 1099, but you didn't, or you filed late? The penalties are going to be assessed by the IRS based on when the returns were filed. And the IRS does charge separate penalties for failing to file a correct information return on time, as well as failing to provide correct payee statements to your vendors. So the penalty is $50 if it's up to 30 days late for each form not submitted timely. It's $110 if it's 31 days late through August 1st for each form not submitted timely. After August 1st, or not filed, it's $280 for each form that was not submitted for 2022 and $290 for 2023. Intentional disregard, which is a filer knowingly or willfully failed to comply with the requirements, $570 for each form not submitted for 2022 and $580 for 2023. So thank you for tuning in today. 
I know this was a lot of information and it's important for me to share it with you so you can be in compliance, but I know it can be overwhelming. And since there is so much information to know, I created a document with all of this information on it. If you're interested in getting this free resource, please see the show notes for the link. And if you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to send us a message at media at abandp.com. I hope you can join us for our next episode. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. You can find the podcast posted on multiple favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And would you please share our show with those you know and leave a review on your favorite platform. I'd really appreciate your support. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next time. Have a terrific day.